Ah, the Midwest, a wonderful place to grow up. Rolling hills, amazing lakes, luscious farmland. And oh yeah, did I mention the multitude of cryptids? Yeah, we got plenty of those too. So buckle up as we embark on this wild cryptid adventure. Wanderers, welcome back to another Foolish Wanderers podcast, the podcast about anything and everything. Today, we're going to be diving into some of the weirdest cryptids from the Midwest. What cryptids do you know from the Midwest, Kendra? Like, what are some that you've heard of, or have you heard of any? Mm. Have you been like me and just avoided it to keep from seeing things in the night and freaking myself out? Um, I know a few. I don't know what to say. Okay. <laughs> but let's see. Um,. I know I know of a few. I mean, I think most of them, like the cool ones, are like on the East Coast. I think a lot of them. I know I've seen that. Um, so I'm not going to talk about you know obvious ones like Bigfoot. Bigfoot's been seen That's through West many Coast. states. Yeah, but yeah, and then um, Mothman. He's been seen in Chicago and also in Rochester, Minnesota. So that's kind of interesting. Also, also in Minneapolis before the bridge collapse, he's been seen there too. Yeah, so we're going to talk about some lesser-known cryptids today, starting with one of my new favorite cryptids I've ever heard of, the Frogman from Loveland, Ohio. <laughs> All right, we'll get into why this is my favorite. Okay, so as history tells it, one night in the May of 1955, a traveling salesman drove through Loveland, Ohio, part of the greater Cincinnati region. He was alone on the road when he crossed a poorly lit bridge over the Little Miami River. Three humanoid, yet frog-like creatures loomed in the shadows on the side of the road. The salesman watched as the three frog people talked amongst themselves, which oblivious to their observers. They're completely oblivious Are to the Are they speaking salesman. English? I don't know. I don't think you could hear them. They just kind of mouths were moving and they're just like very obviously engaging in conversation. So the salesman noted that they all seemed to be about three and a half feet tall with leathery skin and webbed hands and feet. They had bulging eyes, wide mouths, and deep grooves on their heads instead of hair. Suddenly, one of the no figures noticed the salesman. They pulled out a wand and waved it, sending a spray of sparks flying into the air. This is why it's my favorite. <laughs> The man spread away the first witness to the Loveland Frogman. It also left a, pe a peculiar smell of alfalfa and almonds trailing behind his car. So whatever they sprayed out of his wand was alfalfa and almonds. So it's a very specific smell. So the salesman's name has been forgotten, but a sighting by two officers in 1972 revived the tale. So they weren't seen for almost 20 years. So the second sighting, it was March 3rd, 1972, the bracing winds of winter had not yet turned over to spring, so it was still very cold. At 1 a.m., Loveland police officer Ray Shockey was driving on Riverside Drive near the Totes, Totes Book Factory in the Little Miami River, so the same area, when a creature dashed in front of his car. Its eyes glowed in Shockey's headlights. Before it skittered away, Shockey saw it was a similar creature to the one that the salesman saw, about three to four feet tall with distinctly frog-like features. The frogman took advantage of Stocky's bewilderment and scrambled to the roadside, hopped the guardrail, and escaped into the river. The only trace left behind were a few scratch marks left in the guardrail's metal side. So like, after he looked at it, it scratched the guardrail. So then two weeks later, on St. Patrick's Day, Officer Mark Matthews drove around the same boot factory. Something crouched in the middle of Kemper Road. Thinking the lump was roadkill, Matthews exited his car to clear it from the road. The lump jumped at Matthews. It dashed to the guardrail and scrambled underneath, keeping eye contact with Matthews the entire time. So what, it like backed away slowly? <laughs> That's what I'm imagining. I don't That's know what how I'm else imagining too. Yeah, it's kind of odd, but yeah. So Matthews drew his revolver and took a shot. The creature stopped moving. Matthews recovered the body and put it in his trunk to show Officer Shotkey. He identified the animal as a large iguana, about three to three and a half feet long. Difficult to identify because it was missing its tail. He figured somebody had abandoned their pet when it got too large to care for, and the cold-blooded iguana was keeping warm from the pipes leading away from the boot factory's ovens. Aww. So that was kind of like their rational explanation for it. Mm -hmm. But the first, you know, the salesman story, there's three of them. And they, like, 
what would the wand be? I don't Unless know. Unless this is just like all we're made like up. We're like 10 I'm... minutes into this podcast and we're already into like frogmen with some Harry Potter shit wands. Yes, it's amazing. Oh. It's great. But it is really sad if it was just iguanas. How sad is that to leave your poor iguana, especially like in the Midwest where it's freaking cold in the winter. People do that all the time. I with know. All it's all their so pets, unfortunately. I know. It's really sad. What does alfalfa and like, what does alfalfa smell like? Mm, it's kind of like, it's just like a really flowery grass. Here, I can Google the smell. I know so what I almonds you. smell like. Yeah. But what a peculiar, that's like, what a peculiar smell. Like, it's very specific. Yeah. three frog wizards, <laughs> yep. like, puffed some smoke at me and it was smelled like alfalfa and almonds. So alfalfa, according to Google, smells like green tea and the hay or just kind of like a very woody, flowery smell. So like, what are these? Three frogmen, like, perfumes. <laughs> yes, they squirt you with their wands. They're like, here, would you like to sample this new... <laughs> Almond and alfalfa. Ooh, yeah. delicious. You just walk up to random, like, animals in the forest. Here, try our Squirt. new... <laughs> try our new woods. Horrible. What an awful sales pitch. Wait on a bridge in the middle of the night for a lone man. There's a guy in his car to watch you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm sure they got a lot of sales. I like that to, see, I like to think about that rather than an abandoned iguana with his tail cut I know, off. I know. Yeah. Huddling over a sewer oh, to try and keep warm. I know. Happy thoughts. Happy thoughts. <laughs> Don't have mm-hmm. animals that you know you can't take care of. Exactly. An a-, a pet is a huge responsibility. It's mm-hmm. basically a child, oh, except you cannot leave your child at home alone, locked in a cage for like <laughs> four hours. Otherwise, the cops will get you. The cops will get called on oh, you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next one I have is from Alton, Illinois, the Piazza Bird. The what? Piazza Bird or Piazza? Are you saying pizza? Close. It sounds like pizza. I would love a pizza bird right now. <laughs> a gluten-free pizza bird. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. It sounds like you're saying pizza. A piazza. Not it's, pizza. It piazza. sounds like you're try- like you've never said pizza before. <laughs> and yeah, you're like an enough. alien and you're trying to say it. Fair enough, yeah. Piazza. Yeah. It does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it, does. <laughs> it does. All right. So in summer nineteen seventy seven, a ten year old boy outside Lincoln, Illinois, was attacked by giant birds. Kendra's worst nightmare. Why do you have to like I- <laughs> I feel like you Google, like, bird attacks, evil birds. This is one of the first- Bird murdering, like, humans. I feel like this is what you do, and then you add Do you want me to Google Australian birds that swoop at people's heads? No, no, no. (laughs) I've heard that. They, like, people go into, like, hospitals for whatever those birds are in Australia that during that certain- What are they called? Mm. I can't remember. So are they like a swallow? I don't remember. Magpies? Is it a magpie? Those things at a certain time of year in Australia, they swoop at people and like people end up in the hospital with like yeah. So cuts. there's magpies and lapwings. It looks like masked lapwings. I think. But yeah, magpies. I think are the big one. Ugh. But yeah, no. Um, swallows. Those are scary too. We had those. Swallows are scary. We had a nest in them. I think on like in like a gutter of our house one year. Or, and they're just like they don't care <laughs> they just try to attack no, you no they don't they're care scary. they will attack you i don't yep. like them but came back to the piazza bird not the pizza bird the piazza bird i would like it better if it was a pizza bird <laughs> it's a pizza bird and i eat it yeah okay so according to reports of the time that this poor boy was picked up by birds he was carried for 30 feet then dropped so farther south in the town of alton 17th century explorers once found an image of a dragon-like bird painted on a local bluff. So this is in the 17th century, so like 1600s. The piazza... Wait, yes. wait how much does like a 10-year-old boy weigh? Depends. Um, oh my god, I'm looking at We're <laughs> so much Googling. <laughs> I'm Googling this. But it has to be a big bird. It's not going to be just like an eagle, because an eagle can pick up like a small pet, but not a 10-year-old boy. Oh, I'll tell you this. So... There was an eagle nest up where, where, I, where I'm from, mm-hmm. and these, I don't know if it was like DNR or whatever it was, nature researcher people, 
They moved it, mm-hmm. and there, in inside the eagle's nest was just all these bones and different pet collars yep, with that. like little bells attached. And yep, so yeah, so watch your pets, your small pets. Watch your small pets. Yeah. That's that's one of the fears that I've had about like even because we don't where I live. There's not. I don't think there's eagles around here. There's hawks, but uh, but yeah, but I don't. They'll go. Owls will go after your small pets too. That's true. Yeah. So I'm always with little baby Inca. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't leave them outside. Nope. Anyways, back to the 10-year-old boy that I googled. So the weight of a 10-year-old is roughly 70 pounds. That's the average weight. Yeah. So that's that's way bigger than uh, an eagle or something could pick up. Oh, yeah. So this bird has to be big. <laughs> I don't even know if I could pick up 70 pounds. Really? Okay. I mean, I bet I could, but I wouldn't be happy. No, like, I mean, it's not like you're carrying them for... <laughs> I, maybe, I mean, yeah, I could carry it for 30 feet and then drop it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah, that's true, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so farther south in the town of Alton, Illinois, in 17th century explorers, or 1600s, once found an image of a dragon-like bird painted on a local bluff. So the piazza is a Native American myth and has haunted the area ever since. So since around like the 1600s. Linda Godfrey, a Michigan-based author of several books of American monster lore, said, quote, There's a group nickname for these large birds, Big Claw. But my favorite variation is Bat Squatch. It's like Bigfoot, but bats. The French explorer Jacques Marquette provided the earliest account of figures painted on the bluffs near what is today Alton, Illinois, which he and Louis Jolette saw on their trip down the Mississippi in 1673. According to a translation of Marquette's diary, they came upon two painted monsters that were as large as a calf. They have horns on their heads like those of a deer, a horrible look, red eyes, a beard like a tiger's, a face of somewhat like a man's, a body covered with scales, and a tail that was so long that it wound all the way around his body, passing above the head and going back between the legs, ending in a fish-like tail. The painting was made from three colors, green, red, and black. So it's pretty common for this patients. This just sounds like a hodgepodge of all the different animals. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like it sounds like ones, all yeah. of the animals on Noah's Ark just came together and created this hideous, ugly love child. This gigantic thing, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a... Is it supposed to look like a dragon? I'm having a, like trouble picturing it in my head. Yeah, so I'll have a picture at the end too. But yeah, it's kind of like okay. kind of like a dragon, just kind of has huge wings as scales, a long tail. I think that's kind of what the dragon is kind of like. What's the? I don't understand a beard like a tiger's. Don't they have just like a little What's... bit of like a a tuft of fur that just kind of sticks here? Let me Google. How many times have we Google? Too many. Mm-hmm. Okay, just like um, they had like mutton chops. <laughs> Come on, wait, say that again. <laughs> Tigers have mutton chops? <laughs> mutton chops. What's the... Um, so they have, like, it's like half of a mane. Like, a mane around, like, their cheeks, basically. Oh! Isn't that what mutton chops oh. are? They're, like, the sideburns, yeah. but, like, bigger, yeah. but longer. I was just picturing, like, a Victorian man. Yeah. <laughs> instead of, like... Yeah, yeah, yep. okay. Yep. Right, so in his diary, Marquette marveled at the technical skill of the painting and claims that the section of the cliff on which it appeared would have made its creation very difficult. Marquette also claimed to have made a sketch of these monsters, but that sketch was apparently lost. So we don't really How know. How convenient. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So several other 17th century accounts exist, but according to an article by the scholar Wayne C. Temple, the last credible one dates to 1698, when the observer claimed that the painting had nearly disappeared. So like the one on the side of the cliff was disappearing. Wait, did the Native Americans do that? They think that they painted yes, that? Yes, yep, that's kind of the, okay. the thought. At least like the tribes around there. Okay. So the Temple's article claims that there, there that no art- accounts exist of paintings near Alton between 1699 and the first decade of the 19th century. So basically between 17 and 1800s. There is apparently no one saw this painting. Hmm. Um, and that those from the early 19th century or are contradictory. So compared to like what the original thought of this was, anything between that time period is kind of like, this isn't, like, it's not what it supposedly is supposed to look like. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't give it much ground. <laughs> so a sketch made from, of a painting in 1825 has survived. It depicts a horned, seemingly scale- scaly creature that suggests some of the details claimed by Marquette. So it's kind of the same, but like, not really. not really. Like some things have very much changed. So in 1836, John Russell, a former professor of a town near Alton, published an account of the painting that also provided a backstory for the figure depicted in it. So according to Russell, the creature is known as a pisa. So, quote, the name is Indian and signifies the language of the Illini, the bird that devours men. So that's what pisa basically means, the bird that devours men, <laughs> end quote. What a lovely name. I know, it's beautiful. <laughs> a beautiful name. The pisa once terrorized the Native American villages, Russell claimed, killing many warriors before it was slain by the chief Awatoga who had offered himself as bait and had 20 warriors with poisoned arrows wait in an ambush for the monster. When the Piazza swooped down to attack Oatoga, he was killed by the barrage of poisoned arrows, thus saving the tribe. So basically they killed it with poisoned oh, wow. arrows. He he sacrificed himself. I don't know if he died or if he was just like bait and then um, so he could have died, but I think they like attacked it before it got to the chief, I'm pretty sure. So okay. I don't think he died. I'm not for sure, but I don't think he died. He was just the bait. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yep. So Russell later acknowledged to his son that he had fabricated this account. <laughs> oh, man! <laughs> yeah. But within a few years of this article's publication, this legend of the Piazza was being repeated and elaborated upon. So much that it became widely accepted. So that's kind of like the backstory of it. So... There's no proof that this ever happened, and he's basically like, I made it up. <laughs> Why you gotta do that? I'm sorry. <laughs> so, a variety of explanations of the painting exist today, ranging from credible attempts to place what Marquette claimed he saw into the broader context of Native American culture and the history of European colonization of North America, to outlandish claims about Chinese exploration of the Mississippi. So, basically, yeah, so that's kind of like why all the accounts got messed up between, like, 17th and 1800s apparently this like painting i'm sure it probably got washed away if it was just like on a cliffside right if it did exist it probably like they didn't have paints like we have today like with all like the um, well who painted it we don't really know it wasn't really told i guess (laughs) in the 1600s yes a random kid climbed up the side of a wall and painted this yeah but on the next slide, and eventually I have, I'll have this on our Instagram at Foolish Wonders Podcast on Instagram. Uh, it's kind of like a depiction of what this painting could have looked like. So basically, it's a very... <laughs> How do you describe this thing? It's like it's like a lizard body with gigantic wings and like a feline-like face with deer antlers and gigantic claws. How is this a bird? Because it has wings. I think that's the only connection. <laughs> What a loose... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it qualifies as a bird. No, not probably not quite. But I mean... I think a kid drew this. It looks like a six-year-old's made-up imaginary friend. It could be. Yeah. Very skilled six-year-old. Meh. That's debatable. (laughs) Alright, so the next one that I have is Pepe, the monster of Lake Pepin. <laughs> All right, so located on the Mississippi River, Lake Pepin is bordered by Wisconsin on one side and Minnesota on the other. In the town of Lake City, Minnesota, on Lake Pepin's shores, tales of a monster on the lake have been floating around since around the 1870s. Supposedly a large serpent-like creature, the monster or Pepe, as the locals call it, has been seen by everyone from the Dakota Indians to local vacationers. So it's been seen a lot throughout history. Nielsen, the owner of a 125-passenger paddle wheel boat, um, called Pearl of the Lake, and president of the Lake City Tourism Bureau, is reminding people that there is still there is today a fifty thousand dollar reward for anyone that can prove Pepe exists. So he's actively like asking people to find proof. So if you want fifty thousand dollars, go hunt that lake, go to Lake Pepin and search for Pepe. Yes. <laughs> so Nielsen said that he didn't know that the water serpent existed until he saw the creature a few years back. This is his quote. This is his story. One night, my wife and I were out on Lake Pepin, and there was no other boats around with us. All of a sudden, I saw a big wake. Out, I saw a big wake out there against the current. It was about a hundred feet long and a foot and a half high. So I started doing some research, and that's when I heard about Pepe. While stories of the lake monster died off in the 1930s and 40s, since the beginning of 
beginning of the 2000s, more people have reported seeing Pepe, Lewis said. Hmm, I wonder if he was the president of the, was it tourism? Yeah, it could have been just like a, here, come check out our lake. Like, it's like the hodag. Smart gimmick. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So some people believe that Pepe could be a sturgeon, a long prehistoric looking fish. They're kind of scary. They have lots of teeth uh, that live for as long as 100 years and can weigh up to 200 pounds. But others like Nielsen believe that it's a sea monster trapped inland. So again, he's the he's a tourism borough president. So it could be, but it could yeah. also be. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a very smart ploy, I you know, because mm-hmm. it's I mean, the area is kind of reminiscent of um was it is it lake what's the lake that where the Loch Ness monster is is it lake Loch Ness or is it like Loch Ness Ness. yeah because that's two miles wide and Lake Pepin is two miles wide Mm -hmm. but the catch is Lake Pepin is only 60 feet deep and at the lowest point in Loch Ness is 700 feet yeah so it's way deeper Loch Ness is much bigger so Mm -hmm. the chances of an actual because this is supposed to be like Pepe he's supposed to be another like Loch Ness monster type of a thing, like a serpent. So yep. yeah, so it'd be a lot harder for it to hide. Um, and it's mm-hmm. a lot easier to search that lake too. Like if you're actually looking yep. for this thing, like it could hide, but mm-hmm. it'd be a lot easier to find than Nessie. Uh, fun fact, Mr. Kendra has seen it. Has seen what? Pepe? The Pepe. Really? Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, newspaper, the front page of the newspaper has his family's boats and boat and a few others in it and they're in the picture and then the lake city photoshopped a uh, clip art image of pepe and put it on the <laughs> in there why because it was for tourism like, it was like oh, for okay. the date like yeah so. oh, okay i thought you're actually like he saw like a gigantic creature no oh, dang it that would have been a cool story he saw the picture of himself <laughs> with the clip art cartoon that'd be kind of weird though did he like approve of did they approve of this image no he heard it from his i think like his parents friends or something oh, that's weird mm-hmm. okay so the next one that i have is the van meter visitor of van meter iowa so in october of 1903 a strange creature was said to have paid a visit to the small town of van meter iowa several respected members of the community community told of a mysterious winged creature that terrorized some of the town's residents during several nights that week. Witnesses said that it had large bat-like wings, left a terrible smell wherever it went, had a horn on top of his head, and that it had fired beams of bright light from his forehead. This is why you don't do drugs, kids. This is why you don't do drugs. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, yeah. So several of the locals attempted to shoot the beast, but their gunfire didn't appear to have done any damage. So shots were fired each time, first by the implement dealer, U.G. Griffith, as it flew across the building tops. The monster shrugged them off like a minor nuisance. So the bullets hit it and it bounced right off, basically. The next night, the town doctor and bank cashier, Peter Dunn, separately saw the creature and opened fire. Dunn even took a plaster cast of the great three-toed tracks that the creature had left. Wait, this guy is the doctor and the bank cashier? Yes, this is in 1903, so it, it, I, I don't know either. <laughs> so funny. So he's a so he's the main doctor. Yes. And then he moonlights as a bank cashier. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yep. I feel like one of those jobs he could get rid of. Yeah. And that would be the doctor. <laughs> we don't need doctors. We just need bankers. We just need bank cashiers. <laughs> Way more important. So the following night, Ovie White, reported, reportedly a dead eye with a gun, like a great shot, okay. woke up to woke up to see that, that the creature was perching atop a telephone pole. He then shot at it. <laughs> this woke up Sydney Gregg, who had been sleeping in a store nearby. Gregg said the monster hops like a kangaroo, so somehow like it's also it can hop on the ground or it can fly. Uh, fed up with the menace, a group of townsfolk banded together one evening and pursued the creature to an abandoned coal mine, which is not... They have like, coal mines? Wait, they have coal mines in Iowa? I guess so. Huh. I, How I about that? <laughs> That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so there, they were confronted by not one, but two beasts, which both turned, turned and disappeared down the mine as the men opened fire. They were never seen again. Mm. The creatures, not the men. Okay, I was like, meh. Yeah. <laughs> So, I wonder, I don't know, I guess, how many coal mines are down there. 
I think there's a lot. Oh, wow. In central Iowa. I had no idea. I didn't either. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's like middle Iowa to south Iowa, so. Huh. Cool. Let's see. So the next one that I have is kind of a long one, but this is, I think, probably wait, the most. They, wait, go back to the, what did they think yes. this band meter monster was? They didn't really say. There's not a whole lot on it. Basically, they just shot at it in the coal mine and then. That's the end? <laughs> That's the end of that one, yeah. Was it, so, was it a demon? Was it. I don't know. They don't. There's no epilogue. Really it's just like, yeah, it disappeared in the coal mine and we never saw it again. Yeah, they. I don't know. They probably got it at that point. Yeah, they, they never saw it again, so. Is this a real Let's picture? See. Do you know of it? Hold on. It's kind of blurry. Um. I don't know. Mostly, like, the pictures um, are either, like, newspaper drawings or just, like, sketches of what it could have looked like. It looked... A lot of the sketches look like pterodactyls. Uh. So, I don't know. I guess, like... <laughs> Kendra showed me a picture of, like, a old-timey photo of, like, a winged creature standing on top of a building. It's hard for me to know if any of these are real anymore because there's so much Photoshop and people are so good at Photoshop. So, it could be, but it also... It's hard to know because nowadays everything's fake. <laughs> so, so how big were the the tracks that that? Because the you said the one guy took plaster casts. So how big were the tracks? It doesn't really say either. I'm sure they're like a foot long, probably. Okay, maybe I found a. Oh yeah, so they actually do exist in a museum. Cool. Um, at the International Cryptozoology Museum. Where is that? Hold on, I'll find that in a second. Um. So this, the plaster cast, you get, I think you can still go see it. It's very shallow. So it's, you can barely make it out. It just looks kind of like a pile of rocks. <laughs> but uh, let's see, where is the International Cryptozoology Museum? That's a long name. Quite the mouthful. Um, Portland, Oregon. Yeah, that's, that seems appropriate. Oh, wait, no. Portland, Maine. Never mind. Sorry. Oh, that seems even more appropriate. Yeah. In Maine. Yeah. Portland, Maine. <laughs> Maine has a lot of stuff. So yeah, so that makes sense, yeah. I'd like to go look at it, though. I think it'd be cool. I do a lot of research for this podcast there. I've never been to Maine. I haven't either. I, I heard it's beautiful. Yeah, I've heard so. We should make a trip there. We should go there and to Rylander, Wisconsin to see the Hodeg. I'm like, lady, we've had... You say we should take a trip there every single episode. I know. So far, I, I think to. there's probably like 50 places that we have to go take trips to. See, I know this, but... You're planning a wedding, mm-hmm. and it's still, like, COVID, so I'm up for it if you're up for a road trip, but I gotta take off work. <laughs> so. Alright, so the next one that I have is probably the most known, pro- it is most likely the most known cryptid or in this today's podcast, the Beast of Bray Road. I've never heard of it, but I did hear really? of the Pepe thing. Pepe. <laughs> okay, never mind, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> So I've heard of this one before. I've heard of it on different paranormal podcasts and things. Um, so this, so the beast, beast of Bray Road has like many names. Um, what do Minnesota- you mean, like Helen and Susan, or what? <laughs> well, like cryptid names. Okay. Um, so the one, so this is kind of like the same creature as I was looking at the Minnesota Dog Man, but this one, the what Minnesota Dog Man. It's basically this creature just in Minnesota. So there's different names like that. That's a cool name. Dogman. The Dogman. Yeah. man and Dogman. Or Man. Oh, yeah. Man. But yeah, so Minnesota, Minnesota's version of the Beast of Bray Road, mm-hmm. which is in Wisconsin, is Dogman. So this is kind of, that's why I kind of combined the two. Okay. So here we go. In 1936, a lot of these happened in like the 1900s. Have you so, noticed that? Yeah, I have. Before, <laughs> okay. conveniently before cell phones with cameras on yeah. them. Do you have, yep. Okay, so is Dogman like, is he like an orphaned rich boy who is scared of dogs and decides to dress up like one and fight crime? Or No, I wish it was that, but no. What if it was like, he's he fights, I don't, I can't think of something. Like, he doesn't like fire hydrants, so he... I don't know. <laughs> I can't think of anything. This is not like a Batman scenario, unfortunately. I love Batman. I know you do. I'm excited. I'm going to go see the Batman. The Batman. On that, it's it? not opening night, because, you know, we're old and I have a job. So we're yeah. going to see it on a Friday night. That's fun, too, and though. We've got... Well, since Mr. Kendra worked at a movie theater when he was in high school, so he sort of knows, like, the best seats ins and outs so we have to according to him the best seats 
Oh, you got them reserved. Yep. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I suppose, like, if you're in a bigger town, yeah, you gotta. Yep. And I will kick out. people out if they sit in my. I will kick them out. <laughs> Did you hear about the Little Caesars, um, the Batman pizza? It was so grotesque. Oh, you bought it? No, I oh, saw okay. pictures. I, I saw pic- I don't like Little Caesars because it's so greasy. Yeah, you used to in college. You guys used to get that. Yeah, we used to. But, you know, I also used to do a lot of things in college that I don't <laughs> do anymore. Fair enough. But, yeah, Little Caesars is too greasy. But I yeah. did see the picture of their Batman, the Batman promotional pizza that, and it looks like a, it's so ugly looking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they do the best what you can with a round pizza. It looks but... like it's just a mound of dough shaped like a bat. And then, yeah, yeah. I mean, fun for what it is i guess if you're a kid no sucks <laughs> i haven't had that for years so i wouldn't be able to know all right so getting back to the beast of bray road did i even start this i don't think so okay so we did start it didn't we i think we were the first sentence we talked <laughs> about the bug man the, yeah okay so here we go in 1936 Mark Shackleman arrived in St. Coletta School for Exceptional Children, a little before midnight. What's a school for exceptional children? Is it like the X-Men school? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> so I think is it's- that where Dogman went to school? <laughs> Dogman. Yeah, I think he, I think it's kind of like for if you have kind of like an Albert Einstein brain, you know, like where you're like super advanced for your age. Oh, it's just like all AP classes? I think so. I think that's kind of okay. what it is. Yeah. So he got to his work a little bit before midnight. He carried his flashlight on his belt, so Shackleman is a night watchman, basically, for the school. Okay, that's good to know, that's good to know, because I was like, that's pretty weird that you <laughs> Yeah, he just flashlight goes- Flashlight on your belt, but you know. Yeah, he just goes to work at, like, two in the morning, it's fine. It's chill. might be a little bit different at, you know, schools for exceptional children. Yeah, I gen- don't know. geniuses think a different than we do. Mm-hmm. So, he walked these grounds, so he was the night watchman for this school, and he walked the grounds every night. So the school was located inside inside of a former Franciscan co- covent outside of Jefferson. Do you know what a Franciscan covent is? No, okay, basically. Seasoning? <laughs> no, basically. So Why? it's like, so a convent is a Christian community under basically vows. Um, I think they're mostly for nuns, but they're uh, basically it's like either like a school or like a place where a bunch of nuns will live together. Basically, yeah, it's just it's like a religious community for these people. Okay, so. So yeah, so outside of a Franciscan coven, covent, not a coven, covent, <laughs> um, and the grounds were covered with several old buildings, an orchard, and a wide and wide open fields where several old Native American burial grounds have been preserved. No, so isn't that sketchy? Like right away, already like, no. You don't want to mess with that. <laughs> no, nope. there's a lot of bad things that come from that. I yep don't yep you don't mess with that. Don't walk on them. No. Don't. Let your dog pee on them. Oh, no. no don't do that. Don't, no. don't do anything. Just nope. leave them alone. Just leave them alone. Mm-hmm. So that night, Shackleman was crossing the fields when he saw a shadow. He squinted. No. He squinted. Because you built. Built, like, right it, next to it, yeah. By the burial grounds, yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he squinted to see what it was. He saw a hunched form that was digging on all fours. Yeah, he was digging in one of the mounds. This is why you don't, because your ass will get haunted. Yes. Yep, 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 yep. So, uh, it looked, the way it dug made it look canine. It's a very dog-like. It could have, he said it could have been a dog or maybe a wolf, but even from far away, Shackleman could see that the thing was far too big for that. It was far too big for any normal dog or wolf. So it's bigger than Inca, is that what you're saying? Oh, yes. It's probably like ten times the size of Inca. (laughs) At least. So suddenly it looked at him, then it stood up. It had a sleek, hairy body, and it unfurled to be over six feet tall. So <laughs> bigger than Inca. Sorry. Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. It had shaggy canine had a shaggy canine face, but beneath the thick fur, it had a muscular body of a man. And then a low growl echoed across the field. So it saw Shackleman stood up and growled at him. Yeah. It had so a that muscular doesn't... build? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's his description it's not just mine i'm just saying all right, <laughs> all right. so shackleman smelled rotting meat ew so he stepped back but then with sudden violence the thing turned and ran off into the trees and was gone so it didn't approach him it just growled at him menacingly what it ran off well that's not cool but, pff, well, do you want to get mauled by a dog man in the middle of the night 
I mean, I don't, but like if you build by Indian burial grounds, you know, you're kind of asking for it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next night, he has kudos to this man because I don't know if I would have returned. Heck no. <laughs> I'd have been like, those stupid kids can watch themselves. <laughs> the grounds can be fine. I'll be I'll mm-hmm. be going now. Goodbye. Like, those kids aren't going outside anyways. No, it's one in the morning. Why are you outside? Mm-hmm. Don't no. Okay, so Shackleman returned to St. Coletta for his usual rounds the next night. As he walked around the fields, he saw another shadow, digging in the same mound in the same space as the night before. This time, he gripped his flashlight, ready to run or swing at the creature if he had to. Okay, what's a flashlight gonna do against this thing? I don't know, but I don't think he had a gun, so... <laughs> yeah, I don't think they have guns for... No. Yeah, no. no silver bullets. Yep. So again, the creature stood up, but this time it opened its mouth. Shackleman saw that he it had fangs hanging down, and its lips pulled back into a snarl. So he could see enough of its face to realize it had like long fangs. Mm, lovely. lovely. Yes, <laughs> jinx. So it growled at him, and then its speech was like half human, half beast. No. Yeah. So it didn't move. So Shackleman didn't move. And again, the creature turned and left. He never saw it again, though. However, the horrendous growl seemed to speak to him. Like, when the creature growled at him, it seemed to like be trying to like, communicate with him. And it stuck in Shackleman's mind for years, which obviously I would be scarred and terrified and would never return. Wait, did it say anything to him in English? I don't... It doesn't say it did. I think it might have tried to. Like, the way it was, like, half human, half beast. But... Like, it, he, I don't think he could understand it. I think it tried to communicate, but it didn't get its point across. <laughs> oh my <laughs> yes, gosh. Effectively, yeah. So this legend is the first reported sighting of the creature that would eventually become known as the Beast of Bray Road. Sightings became prevalent in the 80s and the 90s, partially centralized around Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Yay. <laughs> so one woman reported the beast attempting to break into her home and later injuring one of her horses leaving a gash across his back. She claimed the footprints it left behind were over 12 inches long. A wow. woman's, then a woman spotted it crossing the road in front of her car. Another driver saw it crouched in the side of the road eating an animal. One young girl reported that the beast chased her through the forest. Terrifying. In 1999, an 18-year-old girl was driving down Bray Road next to Delvin. When she said that her right tire hit something, lifting it off the ground, she stopped and got out to see what it she had run over which bad idea stay in your car don't do that don't so do that <laughs> unless you have a flashlight that you could swing it you just like hit it yeah yep. <laughs> however when she got out of her car nothing was there so she looked to the side of the road and saw a massive wolfish form standing on two legs she rushed back to her car and she peeled away she like sped away the beast then leapt onto her trunk but slid off the back and she sped home so like kind of tried to attack her but didn't like it wasn't effective so, Jeez. so yeah yep so this next one is a first-hand account from a woman doesn't say her name from 1999 this is quote i lived in the town of franklin wisconsin it was about 1997 to 1998 we had just moved into a brand new subdivision and were currently the only house that was built the rest of the area for a long distance was empty lots on what used to be the adjoining farm's old land so basically, it's kind of like how like my childhood home was built. Like the people, like the developers, buy up a huge plot of like farmland, and then slowly but surely, homes will get built on it, right? But okay. it's usually like kind of like a the rest of it's like field kind of. Okay. So our backyard had a running creek, which is pretty. On the other side of the creek was some brush and a single lane road with an old wooden streetlight that gave off an orange hue about thirty yards or so away. <laughs> Kendra saying no. <laughs> it was a warm summer night. And I was having a sleepover with one of my friends. We had all the lights off and were playing hide and seek in the dark. I went back to our sunroom. I saw something crouched over, illuminated through the brush by the orange streetlight. I'm not sure how to describe its body posture. You you know how when you stand like when you're about to throw up and you hunch over on your knees and your palms? It was similar to that. Its breasts were so deep and heavy that you could see its chest heaving from that distance. Wait, did you say breasts? Breath. Bre- oh, breasts. His breasts. Okay. <laughs> His breasts. No. I was like, breasts. Like, breasts. Sorry, I, I was a muscular that. man body. <laughs> it is. 
<laughs> okay. So we had a 140-pound Akita, which is a big dog. That's big. Yeah. Who stood about six foot on its hind legs. This creature could easily have dwarfed my Akita. So it's taller than six feet on its hind legs. I also know that it wasn't any type of dog or wolf. It its hind legs were thick and muscular like a man's, but its body tapered at the abdomen and head like a wolf or canine. I called out to my friend who came over and, and just said, what the F is that? Trying not to make much noise, we sat there as it was hunched for a good 30 minutes. My dad, who was a Vietnam vet, came out to see what we were doing and why we were up so late. We just asked what it was and he said, I don't know. He then went outside and as we stayed in, scared for my dad, which obviously like if you're a little kid, your dad goes out to check this creature. Like, why do you do that, right? Like, to me, I don't know. I'd be scared. Like, obviously, you want to know what it is, like, if you need to call the police or whatever. But when you see a creature that big, don't go outside alone. Just don't. <laughs> so, he ha so he had one of those old megalites that had the power of a thousand candles and took it with him. Another flashlight. He stood in the driveway and shined it onto whatever we were watching. It looked back at us, and I honestly don't remember its eye color. What I do remember is that when it took off into the brush, it took off upright, like a sprinter from the on the all four stance. So you know, like how like sprinters on a starting block have like their feet, yep. yeah, up and then they push off and okay, run away on like two that. legs, yeah, like that. My dad heard it splash through the creek and hail tied it, hail high tailed it in. It was one of those moments you don't really talk about because people will think you're crazy. When I heard about it so many years years later, I immediately knew I'd seen it too. So she saw this thing crouched in her backyard when she was a kid. Which, yeah, I wouldn't want to go outside after that, honestly. Me either. So yeah, so this thing has been seen throughout the, kind of throughout the Midwest. It's kind of more so like Wisconsin, Minnesota. I think it's kind of like the general area of this dogman, um, beast of Bray Road creature. But it's kind of mm -hmm. like a, basically a werewolf. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to mm -hmm. say. I was like, so the consensus is it's just a werewolf. Yeah. And I haven't read any accounts. Like it's said that the, it doesn't attack anybody. It just kind of watches and like does stuff. That's weird. It is weird, but I'm glad because I don't want to <laughs> be in fear that this thing's going to come and like chase me in the middle of the night, right? So, yeah. But yeah, basically, I don't know. So I'll put these images again up on um, Foolish Wanderers podcast on Instagram. I don't know if this one image is real. It's probably not. It looks like a dog being posed to walk across the street. <laughs> it just looks like they put like a skeleton yeah. and then like a dog, like a wolf head on top yeah. of it. I mean, Katrina, you can you see, see through like, it. the obvious, like, the femur. Yeah, you can see through it. It's weird. Yeah. I don't think it's, it's real, it's but... A, it's a human, like, skeleton torso with, like, the arms. And then they... Looks like they just put it... What the heck? Is it? is it a dog? <laughs> is it a... Now I'm thinking it's, like, a dog costume. Like, like did they... So, like, a dog costume. They had this bigger dog, and they put, like, skeleton <laughs> arms on him... <laughs> told him to walk and, upright yeah it made him like do like a trick it could be um those are blatantly skeleton arms yeah i would that's be what it... in, i would be embarrassed with myself to try and pass this off as <laughs> like look at this picture of a werewolf i got yeah i know a lot of these images He's are got skeleton yeah. arms isn't it funny he was supposed to be muscular. Yeah. I was promised that he was supposed to be muscular. <laughs> I was promised a hunky man wolf. Look what I got. And instead, I'm seeing a skeleton. He's got such twiggy arms. They're literal <laughs> Eat more meat. Eat more. Yeah, you better eat. eat more meat. So the last one that I have is the Big Muddy Monster from Murfreesboro, Illinois. So on the evening of June 25th, 1973, two young people heard the chilling, unearthly scream of some creature in the woods along the big muddy river of Murfreesboro. So basically, this couple was sitting in a remote parking lot from like which fishermen, you know, like they launch their boats into the lake, right? This is where mm -hmm. this couple parked their car when they saw something moving closer to them in the woods. They later describe it as a seven foot tall creature on two legs, covered with mud and matted light hair. <laughs> Please just tell me it's a tall man that fell in a <laughs> like a it's like fell in a it's puddle. like those Scooby Doo tropes right where the the guy like falls into the lake and he gets covered in seaweed and just shakes it off <laughs> that's what this is so it continued to emit its screams as it closed in on the car nineteen year old Randy Needham started up the car and sped straight to the Murfreesboro Police Department which yeah I mean what else do you do at that point he and Judy Johnson told police what they had seen. Accompanied then by police chief Ron Monwaring and other officers, Needham returned to the parking lot. Search got underway with lights, but all that could be found were vague footprints. 
At 2 a.m., the police were back, and with them, surprisingly, was Needham, which why I wouldn't go back. I don't think I would. I wouldn't no. go back. As the beams of as the flashlight beams probed the parking lot and trees, there was all of a sudden a bellowing scream that came from the dark forest. Everyone ran from the parking lot where Needham identified the scream as the same one that he and Johnson had heard earlier. Which I really hope that wasn't just a person yelling for help, because I mean there's I guess there's only like so much a scream a person can do compared to like what's like deep, like if it's you know, compared to like a monster scream, right? But I think it's kind of funny that this like seven foot tall um, scary looking hairy monster is screaming like a little girl. Well, it doesn't say like a little girl. It's just like a chilling like. But that's what I think. Oh. I think like, in my head, <laughs> okay. I hear like, like a, high like, a little girl scream. Aww, that's kind of yeah. sad. It's kind of funny. <laughs> so the encounter marked the arrival of the big muddy monster, presumably a Bigfoot variant, in the quiet Murfreesboro in 1973. Over the following weeks, more reports flowed in. So this is the second encounter. Oh, the yeah. second one? So they think it's a what? They think it's Bigfoot? It's, yeah, like it's you know, like a skunk ape. It's kind of like the variant of a of a Bigfoot. It's kind of like that. Bigfoot variant is funny. Like a funny way to say it's a cousin. Yeah, <laughs> Bigfoot cousin. That's a better way of saying it, yeah. So the second encounter occurred the, second, the day after the initial encounter. So police dispatched a German shepherd to pick up the trail after a woman caller reported a sighting. She told police that her daughter and boyfriend had seen the creature in a field behind their house, which is, again, terrifying. The dog picked up the trail and followed it into a barn, which refused to enter. Police with flashlights entered the barn, but found nothing. At least for what it was worth, police now had a better, it's still sketchy description. It was about, the, the lady described it as 7 to 8 feet tall, about 300 to 350 pounds, pale, dirty white, or cream colored, standing on two feet. So that's pretty, that's pretty on par with the other encounter. Yeah. The next account is at a carnival. So days passed. Then on July 7th, another report came in from a carnival owner at Riverside Park on the south edge of town. So a tall, hairy creature had been seen bothering the carnival ponies the day before. The carnival owner told police in order not to disturb customers, he had kept quiet until the next evening to report it. Which I think is kind of funny, right? Because if you have this giant creature and he's just kind of chilling, enjoying the carnival. It's kind of cute. How was he bugging the ponies? He probably just like watching them, just kinda like probably like talking probably like poking them or something. It's not like he's like hurting him, he's just kinda like, oh look at it. Funny. <laughs> I don't know. So several workers noticed the ponies trying to break loose from the trees which they had been tethered. The creature had been seen observing the disturbed ponies from nearby, but in a non-threatening manner. So he just kinda was like watching them. Oh, just kinda okay. probably like they knew okay. something was weird and they're just like, Get me out of here, but he wasn't like hurting them or anything. So the description given by the carnival workers at this time was very similar to the earlier sightings. Again, it was seven to nine feet tall, so a little bit taller, about 300 to 400 pounds, standing upright on two legs with light brown hair over its entire body. Pretty, pretty equal. So this is the last reported sighting. A few months passed, then a local trucker reported another. This was the final sighting of the creature. It was seen for a few miles, seen a few miles southwest of town near the Mississippi River, into which the mid the big muddy feeds. So the tracks were left behind and preserved with plaster casts. But that was the last that was seen of the big muddy monster. Yeah, so basically, kind of this report kind of goes into like, if it was a variant of Bigfoot, why was it close to like the Mississippi? Why hasn't it been seen for like thirty to forty years? Mm-hmm. It just disappeared. Yeah, pretty much. It just kind of disappeared. But I guess, too, like, if you look more into Bigfoot, they kind of disappear, too. Um, so people, like, will see them, and then they just, like, disappear. Um, some people will think that they can change realities or become invisible. Some people have claimed that, like... Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, so, like, I don't remember what state it is, but there's some people that believe that Bigfoot is an alien, or which kind of makes sense, I guess. Um, there are some accounts that, like, say that they can, like, change um, if you can see them or not. Like, if they, they can decide if they want to be seen there's some people that think that they can teleport or open portals. It's it's a whole. <laughs> it's oh a, my! It's a goodness. whole thing. That's a wormhole. Jeez. It is. Yeah. There's just a lot of stuff with Bigfoot, but so that's why some people think that this could be Bigfoot because he just disappeared. Maybe he like is so well hidden. Maybe he and he maybe he wanted to hide more, so he bleached his hair. <laughs> just cut it. He just like shaved his body. He's living among us. <laughs> No, because they said he was he was blonde, yeah, like, right? They said he had like blonde, blonde hair. white. So he went to like CVS pharmacy, bought a box of you know bleach, like hair yeah. dye, bleach, 
that could be yeah he just bleached it to yep. fit anymore he wanted to go on vacation to the big muddy river oh yeah that's true but how would that blend you in more to like the dark brown trees he's dumb <laughs> i don't know <laughs> should have gone to like a beach or something and like laid in the sand <laughs> i don't know and it is interesting though because like i feel like every state has their own version of bigfoot yeah, I think because even right. like um, like Yeti is like another version of that. Um, there's Skunk Ape, there's Grassman. Um, where is that one from? I think that one's from Pennsylvania. Is that one from Grassman? Grassman. Yeah, basically, it's another variant of Bigfoot. That's why I didn't put that one in here because I, I was thinking about Bigfoot or like I was thinking about adding Grassman, but basically, it's just another version of Bigfoot. Let me see where. Let me look up where it's supposed to be from. Grassman. Oh, from uh, Ohio. Okay. So, yeah, basically, it's just another version of. And he's is he covered in grass? Uh, hold on. I don't think so. I think he just hides like in the grass. He does what? Like a peeping tom? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is um, according to cryptids.fandom.com. Uh, Grassman, also known as the Ohio Grassman, um, or Orange Eyes is another nickname, is a tall bipedal hominoid that, that stalks the woods of Ohio, hence the name Ohio Grassman. It is reportedly very similar to Bigfoot, but it seems to be much more aggressive than any other Sasquatch species. Uh, it says that the grassman gets its name from the small hut-like living structures or nests it builds out of tall grass. So, cool, it has, it has nests. nests. I think Bigfoot has nests too. I think technically, like when hunt like Bigfoot hunters and stuff, they go out and, like they apparently have like seen nests that just like stomp down like brush and stuff. Like a gorilla nest. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so here's a sighting of the Grassman. So the first prominent sighting of the Grassman occurred in a small village of Minerva, Ohio. In August of 1978, when the grandchildren of Minerva residents, Evelyn and Hal Clayton, along with their friends, ran inside screaming about a hairy monster that they saw in the gravel pit outside. When the couple went outside to investigate, they saw that, that the crying children had described, who was covered in dark, matted hair, sitting in a pit and fiddling with discarded trash. <laughs> <laughs> it was estimated to be around 300 pounds. The Claytons fled, but this would not be their last encounter with Ohio's ape man. The Claytons would see the grass man many times after their initial encounter, which I think is kind of common. Like, um, when people talk about like alien encounters, apparently the people that get picked to see aliens, apparently they get visited many times throughout their life. So it's like a connection Whoa. that somehow they have. I don't know for sure, but that's apparently one of the theories. Cool. Um, so one night it was seen peering at them through the kitchen window. I hate it. That's why I hate looking outside at night. I cannot. I just think of things looking at me through the window. Like Grassman? Yes. <laughs> See, he's a peeping Tom. I knew it. <laughs> you know, just hides in, hides in the grass. Mm -hmm. uh, it says that how, how he ran for his gun, but the primate was gone before he returned. Uh, it was the area was later investigated by police, and although there was no sign of the hairy humanoid, uh, several faint footprints were observed in the mud, and a terrible smell still lingered in the air. Which again is a is pretty common for you know the the skunk man or um, with like Bigfoot or anything. It's a stench always associated with it. Um, so the grass man was later seen by the Clayons atop a hill near the strip mine at night. Uh, the next month, in broad daylight, the couple observed two hairy bipeds on the same hill. It was only after these reports by the Clay reports by the Claytons were made that the startling connection was made. Days before the gravel pit incident, the Clayton's German Shepherd was found dead. Its neck was broken, presumably by the Grassman. Ugh. Which is horrible. <laughs> I don't want to end on dead dogs. I know. <laughs> Should I find like a fun fact or something? Uh sure. Okay, so apparently in this area, like in Ohio, there's been many reports of like a Sasquatch like creature. Um so, let's see, in the 1700s, Native Americans native to the Ohio grasslands spoke of a race of bipedal ape men referred to as the wild ones of the woods they that they lived that lived nearby. The Native Americans would leave out food for the creatures in an effort to keep peace, which is really wholesome and smart. <laughs> it's very smart. smart, yeah. Yep. So again in the late 1800s, sightings of a similar hairy biped were made by the Ohio River. The hominoid had apparently tried to throw a man out of his carriage, but retreated when his daughter, riding as a passenger, threw several stones at it. So apparently this guy tried to get, like, attacked, or this, this creature tried to attack this man and tried to throw him out of his carriage, and his daughter was, like, throwing stones at it. That's one way. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so, 
so yeah but yeah there's a lot of stories of like native americans that talked about um ape men basically all around you know some very volatile ones and some Mm -hmm. that aren't so much i wonder what what makes one volatile and what makes one peaceful i don't know that's a good question well there's like some types of animals too that like some are more aggressive some some aren't so it could just be like a thing like in their brain or something that makes them like Mm -hmm. wired differently you know how they're more aggressive even humans are that way too so i mean some are just born to be more aggressive and angry i don't know so I don't know. But yeah, so that was the Ohio grass man. Not made of grass, but just makes grass nests and Just huts. makes grass nets. Nests. 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 <laughs> nests for sleeping. Right, should we end on a fun fact? Mm, sure. Do you want to do your sources for... Oh, yes. Yes. So I have plenty of sources for today. So I have Charles- charlestonterrors.com, thebritannica.com, paranormal- paranormaldares.com, the Chicago Tribune, The Portalist, Daily Yonder, Des Moines Register, Legends of America, Thought Catalog, MilwaukeeMag.com, and AtlasObscura.com. Mm. And of course, one of my favorites is CryptoZoology.Fandom.com. That's like always a good starting spot for finding cryptids. Do you want... Okay, so I have a list of like over six, like 65 fun facts. So do you want number 43 or 45 for today? 43. 43. Okay, you have chosen. Scientists discovered an organism with a disappearing butt. <laughs> so, the comb jelly, also known as the wa- the warty comb jelly. The warty? Warty. W-A-R-T-Y. Oh, okay. Warty. okay, like a wart. Okay. Yep, like a wart. Or otherwise known as the sea walnut. <laughs> I like that one the it's best. A sea walnut. The yeah, sea walnut. Pretty, it's pretty good. Has a disappearing butt. So is it a fish? It's a sea jelly. It's a jellyfish. Oh, it's a jellyfish. Okay. Yeah, the comb jelly. So Sydney Tam of the Marine, Marine Biological Laboratory in Woods Hole, Massachusetts, told new scientists that there is, quote, there is no documentation of a transit anus <laughs> in any other animals that transit I know of. Transit anus? <laughs> That's what she says. That's a, transit anus is a great heavy metal band name. <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> what kind of songs did they have? I I don't know. <laughs> like I have no. I don't want. I don't want to think about <laughs> I it. I don't either. Uh, she said that it is not visible when the animal is not pooping, so there's no trace under the microscope. It's invisible. So basically, when this creature is not pooping, you can't see it. <laughs> so it like recoils. That's op- That's like the opposite of what you want. I know. You well, want to not be seen when you're pooping. <laughs> and this thing is only seen when it's pooping? Well, the anus part. Katrina, why are why in every single episode of this podcast <laughs> we end up talking about feces? You could have chosen number 45. You chose 43. I Don't put this on me. I gave you a choice. Well, it's 45 <laughs> about feces, too. No, it's not. Do you want me to read that one, too? No, I'm going to end save with it. weird jellyfish okay, with a disappearing it. ass. <laughs> Just has a ghost ass. It's weird. <laughs> yes. Something to tell your teachers about, children. Oh. <laughs> Transit anus. You, you, you don't want to be that student. No. You, <laughs> Not unless you're like a biology major at college. You don't want to be that student where you're talking about photosynthesis and biology, whatever, and all of a sudden you raise your hand. Teacher, have you heard of the transit anus jellyfish? <laughs> the sea walnut. The sea walnut. <laughs> That's a cool name. I like that one. That one's better. We got sea cucumbers, and then we got sea walnuts. Sea walnuts. Sea walnuts. With the yep. phantom butts. <laughs> yes. All right, Wanderers, thank you so much for listening to another Foolish Wanderers podcast. If you'd like to send us any suggestions for future episodes, send us an email at fwplisteners at gmail.com and check out our Instagram for companion images to our episodes at Foolish Wanderers Podcast. Mm -hmm. And, of course, new episodes of FWP are out every single Wednesday from wherever you get your podcasts from. 
And be sure to like, subscribe, and comment on all our social media pages. And hit that notifications button so you get updated about when our new episodes drop. And if you'd like to help us out, you can leave a five-star review. Yes, please do. All right, Wanderers, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you guys next time.